This is episode 156 of IDRA Class Notes. This was not an advisory board of parents or community members that would then give advice to the administrators given this information that they have. So then the administrators would go back and do things differently. No, this was more of an understanding to have a deeper commitment that those follow-up actions would actually be done collaboratively so the power dynamic shift that started here would continue even into the actual implementation of any changes or plans on the campuses, which is remarkable. Greetings, everyone. This is Aurelio Montemayor from IDRA with our podcasts. With me are two colleagues, Dr. Sofia Baena and Hector Bojorquez, and we're going to be talking about an event called the Mesa Comunitaria, the Community Roundtable. This happened a couple of weeks ago in South Texas in the Valley. This event actually was preceded a year and a half ago before by an event called Mesa Comunitaria. Hector, what was the original Mesa Comunitaria that happened in the winter of 2014? In 2014, in January 2014, what we did basically was get together with a lot of the Rio Grande Valley community-based organizations uh, who have regular meetings uh, concerning education, and uh, they wanted to bring in more people from the community and also district administrators and IHE administrators to get together to have some conversations around some of the new legislative issues that have come up concerning graduation requirements, along with a set of other issues, uh, curriculum quality, teaching quality, and school holding power. But what really rose to the forefront in that particular meeting was uh, the House Bill 5 graduation requirements. But what was uh, really interesting about that uh, meeting is the process that was used to come up with uh, both the agenda and how things were going to be discussed. And it was uh, a process that took uh, two or three weeks, actually, I'm sorry, two or three meetings with the community-based organizations uh, honing out exactly what they wanted on the agenda, how they wanted to discuss it. And the participation was fairly good. And we had, I want to say, around 82 people, 90 right. people but or so. but we had school administrators, we, we had, had a college president. Right, we had a college that. president, so... And there was a lot of energy afterwards concerning House Bill 5 and the new graduation requirements and what it meant. At one point, one of the people said, we want all our children to go to college. And that's a concern. In other words, when this new legislation was passed, they were saying, now there are choices for all these children who, quotes, are not college material. And the concern that came up in the communities, we're going to go back to the old days where most poor and minority children or children of color were put into some non-college track, the old vocational ed, and and exactly their concerns, fast forward a year, started to happen. They were experiencing what they feared the most. One of the leaders said, "What all this choice is really looks like confusion. So fast forward a year and a half, and then in the summer, this summer of 2015, After many meetings, the group called Equal Voice Network, which is an organization made up of grassroots community organizations, has a committee called the Equal Voice Education Working Group. The co-chair of that committee, Lourdes Flores, was also, incidentally, the co-founder of the first PTA Comunitario, groups of PTAs that are based in community organizations, and formed kind of the nucleus that led to this event. Sophia... 
you observed this meeting, and there was a major report there. What was that report about? Yes, it was about some surveys that were conducted of the community by the community organizations, mainly the PTA Comunitarios. They gathered over 1,600 parent surveys, uh, and they really found that a lot of the parents were not familiar with the new high school graduation requirements. Specifically, they found that 85% know little, if anything, about the Texas graduation plans and tracking procedures. 80% knew little, if anything, about the impact of Texas tracking procedures on their children's education. And 66%, so over half of parents who have a child in middle or high school, did not know which graduation plan would prepare their child for a four-year university. Um, So what we're seeing is really this discrepancy between what the parents know about the graduation plans. There's a misalignment between the schools and the parents and a lack of communication. So... A lot of what this Mesa Comunitaria did was bring these parents and school representatives into the same room, literally sat them at the same table to have these conversations um, and collectively try to come up with solutions to this. About how many people were there and what kind of people were there? There were um, about 120 people that attended and they were more than half were parents. A lot were members of the PTA Comunitarios. And we had five superintendents and 16 school districts represented um, in now. Hector, what was your feel of the event? What did it feel like? Well, it felt like the power dynamics were shifting, where usually you have institutions telling or guiding conversations around whatever issue. That was not the case here. Here was a community that was actually guiding those conversations and asking those uh, school districts and those institutions to respond to them, which was very interesting. It was a completely different uh, power dynamic than you see in the usual relationships you see between schools. There were two rounds of small group discussions at the round tables. The first one, they were grouped randomly through number, and it assured that there were community people, school people, and a variety of people at each table. And in those conversations, there was an assigned facilitator, which was a community person. There was a note taker. And there was a storyteller. And what that meant was a mother or father was going to say her experience in this issue of graduation requirements, what happened when they went to school, whether they had gotten information or not. And it wasn't a matter of saying what was good or bad. It was just their story. But what happened was everybody at the table had to listen to a community person saying, here's what's happened to me and my child. And then others would say their part. And the school people were there basically listening, whether it was a superintendent or an administrator. It's very interesting that normally in these kinds of situations where you have parents and administrators or an educational setting, the phrase safe place is usually talked about uh, where schools try to make it a safe place to talk about things or a safe place. And here what was interesting is that the safe place was provided by the parents for the schools to respond to some of these issues, which really is very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Sophia, you've got the enviable task of making sense of all the notes that were collected. We have the notes taken in the first round of conversations, the notes taken in the second round, and the second round led to some action plans. And so we collected all that. You're just starting to look at that, but what's your sense of, let's say, the evaluations, what, what they said about the event? So I think overall, um, some of the themes that stand out is that a lot of participants really did feel that it was a space that helped 
foster strategic relationships between uh, the schools and the communities. Uh, they also felt that they were able to identify clear action plans moving mm -hmm. forward. On this part of the administrators and a lot of the school representatives, I saw a lot of, of a desire to communicate uh, more effectively and more clearly with the parents. And on the side of the parents, there definitely is more of a commitment to also go to the schools and be more, now that they have the information, or at least they had more information than they did before, um, feeling a, a more comfortable approaching school counselors, school teachers, school principals, and really being able to have a candid conversation about their school's planning, their child's planning. And, yeah, I think just overall there's, there's this sense of, Empowerment? Yes, yeah, very much so. Since IDRA has been part of this whole process, Hector coordinated uh, the first one a year and a half ago. I was key in working with the facilitators. One of the things that really helped was in all this, as the committee took this task on about four or five months ago, we supported them with helping them think through the facilitation, the goals. There was a, a detailed checklist that Lourdes was using in terms of all the tasks. Uh, we had facilitator guides in English and Spanish. We had some preparation sessions for those that had specific roles there. And it was all coming from the community, but empowering them to have what ended up being a very efficient session. All the goals were met and surpassed. The participation was what they had expected and hoped for. The biggest plus this time is that the education working group now will have follow-up meetings to track how the action plans are going. There's mm -hmm. an action plan from each subgroup that met, and there were point persons attached to those plans who will be contacted saying, okay, you said you were going to have meetings, or you're going to do X or Y, whether you're a school district, a community organization, however you identified, there's a follow-up. And what's going to be exciting, Sophia, the, the work that you're doing in documenting and, and transcribing all the work is that they're going to be using that as the basis for ongoing work with schools. And it'll continue the relationship between schools and community but in this case, it's community-led. And so what I think is a big plus, thinking back to the previous meeting, is that they have a much better tool for follow-up. Don't you think, Hector? Yes. I think what makes this different from any, anything else is this was not an advisory board of parents or community members that would then give advice to the administrators, given this information that they have. So then the administrators would go back and do things differently. No, this was more of an understanding to have a deeper commitment to that those follow-up actions would actually be done collaboratively. So the power dynamic shift that started here and in this process would continue even into the actual implementation of any changes or uh, plans on the campuses, which is remarkable. So one of the things that we expect to happen is that in each action plan, because they are measurable and time-phased, there will be a report next week, the committee's meeting, and they're still not going to have enough data because we're still processing it. But what we expect over time is that they're going to be able to track what influence this has had on the graduation requirements for students, how well parents are being guided, especially all the majority of these parents, the vast majority who want their kids on a college track, how well schools are abiding by that mm -hmm. or whether communication has improved and how schools are 
modifying how they're informing the community. One superintendent there was amazed. He said, I've got two boys, two children in middle school, and I haven't talked about them about this. I haven't checked whether they're taking courses in middle school that was going to prepare them for college. And so he said, this is really opening my eyes up to how schools should communicate with families about that. Yes, there was one example of one superintendent who said, we often think that we have done everything possible to get all the information out because it's it's bilingual, or we make sure that it gets into parents' hands and it gets signed back. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's been any change in our, the, our relationship or the, that the information has really actually made it through to the parents. And he said basically that this it should signal a change in the way that not just the district but the region does things. So one powerful thing that these community groups bring with them is their connection to families and the community, especially in the poorest unincorporated communities called colonias. They have a very direct and strong connection. And so they have the ability to inform but they also want the information to be one that is action is taken on. So thank you. It's been a wonderful conversation. We might have another one on this topic. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.